This episode is sponsored by Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse, and is also sponsored by Scrimba. When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's it, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 174, Junior Developer Struggles. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we'll be talking about all the things that junior developers struggle with, and also be giving some unsolicited advice, as Mike has written here. So, <laughs> if, this, if this sounds... It's just, what's what's going on with this advice, Mike? It sounds like, all right, whatever. No, I asked for it. No, I suppose that's true, yeah. I guess <laughs> I guess I, like, I associate the term, like, unsolicited, like, as if... I'm like that person that's like screaming at you. You know what I mean? It's like, this is unsolicited advice. And I'm just already like yelling that's at exactly you. That's exactly what we are, though. We're not yelling at you, though. And and you could also <laughs> you press are like. yelling at them right now. You could press pause or, or like, you know what I mean, though? You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> like, like if you if you like put up your Christmas tree or whatever, and like you put up a bunch of like red Christmas lights and I was like heckling you, telling you that like the red ones are bad and you should be using like, I don't know, blue ones or whatever. And I'm heckling you. That's like to me, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, oh, that's unsolicited advice. It's like, dude, get the fuck out of here. This is my tree, my Christmas tree. <laughs> you know, get out of here. But yeah, I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I don't know why that is. Massive that's tangent. more unsolicited, but it's this is still unsolicited. No one asked for this. We're just giving it to you. It's, it's, whatever. Just take it, take it or leave it. I hope you asked for it. Anyway, if this sounds <laughs> interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server. Where we will talk about which Christmas lights to use, apparently, or share this with your friends. And, uh, Mike, this is, uh, you wrote, you wrote all this. You wrote all this unsolicited advice. So I will, I will let you take it away from this point forth. All right. Uh, so we're not going to actually going to start with advice. We're going to start with just a bunch of kind of failure, failure and uh, stories from the industry or whatever we want to call it. Uh, I kind of went out there and asked our community on Twitter what they, what they've been experiencing. Cause I know that there's been a lot of struggle. Like there's been a lot of doubt. There's been a lot of imposter syndrome. There's been so much for people that are trying to get into the industry. Like people that are into industry are kind of. There, there, there's other problems for sure, but getting a job usually isn't one of them. There's problems of like getting the right job and being taken advantage of and not getting paid, whatever. There's, there's other problems. But for a junior developer, the first thing that you need to do is to get break into the industry. And that seems to be very difficult right now. Um, whether there's just a lot of people trying to do it, whether it's just a really difficult industry to break into. Personally, I'm not sure we've been in it for too long. That's why I went to the community and asked. And that's why I've been talking to people. I've been mentoring people. I've been trying to kind of like get as much information about this as I possibly can. And I'm going to share that information with you now. And we're going to share our thoughts on it and stuff like that. This isn't like concrete stuff from the industry. There's no statistics here. Obviously, this is just two guys talking about what junior developers are probably struggling with right now. So that's it. Um, so let's get right into it. This first segment is what junior developers are struggling with. And the first point I have here, the job requirements being too high. And I think 
Personally, I think we've all seen this. Um, it doesn't, it's not a, maybe a developer thing even. I'm not sure, but I don't know if anyone's applied lately and seen like looking for a junior developer with one to three years experience in all these different technologies, like one to three years experience in JavaScript, PHP, SQL. And then just, they, they just keep going and listing and listing and listing. There's like 10 different technologies and you're like, I know one of those. Okay. Like, I don't know. And the other thing is like the, the arbitrary years experience for me is like, does that mean that you've been literally doing nothing but coding in this technology for one to three years? Like, does that, was that what you want? Is that like, you want me to be such a master at it that like all I've been doing day and night is just JavaScript for one to three years. Like that's not the reality of a developer right now. There's so many different developer tools that, yeah, you're going to code in JavaScript, but you're also going to need to know Webpack. You're also going to need to know all these other like developer tooling is like frameworks and stuff like that. And your limit, like your JavaScript exposure is actually dropping as we go because there's other tools that are coming in and kind of doing a lot of the out of the box stuff for you. So it's a really difficult to gauge where you're at as a junior developer because the, the resumes are so ridiculous. Like the, or not even the resume, sorry, the, uh, uh, the, the job, job listings. postings. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. The job listings are just so ridiculous and they ask for too much. And on the one hand, there, there's a couple things that I want to say about it. Um, some of it is actually legit. Like some of it, like, you know, they ask our hiring manager what they need and the hiring manager says, well, I need someone that knows PHP and JavaScript and all this. And then the HR department will go and kind of craft it. The problem is that the HR departments a lot of times are very separated from the technical departments. And how it works before, like with other jobs, is that, you know, if you're a machinist, you're, you have three years of machining. If you're, you know, in the auto body industry and you've been doing something in the auto body industry, you have three years in that, in that experience. Like you're, you're obviously doing different things, but you have, you have a certain X amount of experience and that means you're a certain X qualified. With development, it's a little bit different. First of all, everyone picks it up very differently. There's a, a range of, there's a range of like someone that can learn something in like three months and someone that can learn something in a year are going to have very different perspectives. Some, like someone could be better than someone in that three month time that, that's been learning it for a year because they learned it differently. They have a different learning style and they have a different way of kind of implementing. It's very difficult to gauge, which is the struggle. And, a lot of the times you should apply. That's kind of like my, my end point in this is that if you have experience in some of those technologies, let's say, let's say five of the technologies they list out of eight, you have experience in, regardless if it's a year or not. If it's a junior developer role and you have experience in it, that's it. That's all you need to know. That's it. And if the other technologies are something that if you look it up and see that it's in your wheelhouse and you can at least talk about, Right. Maybe look it up, maybe do a little project in or something like that. That's something you can, again, you can kind of put on your resume in your project section, in your skills section. Just you can craft your resume around that, those job requirements. I'm not saying to lie. I'm just saying not to be completely forefront on the resume fully. Like don't like, you know, say I have X amount of experience exactly in this. I have 30% experience in JavaScript. First of all, never use percents on your resume. That's they're all bullshit. Uh, no one understands what that means. Just put that you've worked with this technology. That's it. That's all you have to do. And it's not a lie because you can go and you can look at it and you can ramp up in it and that's fine. 
when you get to the interview, that's a totally different story. But that's the whole point of the resume and the whole like the, the initial point of you breaking into the industry is to get more interviews, to get you in front of people that have the actual responsibility of hiring. And that'll increase your chance of getting a job. In the interview, obviously, you're going to tell them exactly what you know, and they're going to question you on it. But usually the interviewer, at least in the technicals portion, is going to be a technical person. They're going to understand that these requirements that the the job listing has are ridiculous as well. They're in the same position as you. They understand it. It's the hiring process that's kind of broken right now because it's the disconnect between the hiring managers or the HR departments or whatever that just don't understand the requirements of what a developer needs to do especially a junior developer. So you need to drop your own, you know, self self premonition of like, oh, I can't do this because it's a one to three years experience in these technologies. Drop that and just focus on the technology part and try to expand out your knowledge a little bit on that front, right? So try to get through it. So th- this one's really difficult, like... <laughs> Uh, because it, it, it's really difficult to get past because like it's the confidence part, right? Like you have to be confident. And when you're a junior developer, it's really difficult to build confidence when you don't have your first role. Having said that, um, like it, again, try to just apply. Even if you don't have every single point on that job, on that job board, craft your resume and craft your cover letter to cover that. Get, get, get your foot in the door. That's what I have to say to you. Well, one thing to consider as well is I, I've never applied for a developer job specifically, but I have applied to a fair bit of technical jobs. And I've had a, you know, three, four, let's say technical interviews, especially during college and uh, for co-ops. And there's definitely a disparity, like Mike is saying, between the listing and what you'll be doing. So I'll give an example. I had a, I, I applied for some sort of, I don't know, I'll call it a technical overview position. I don't remember the the, the title they used. But it was like, hey, we're building an interactive room in this community center and we, you know, we're hooking up all the Internet and it's being renoed and we need help hooking this up and that up. And you need iPad experience and making thing, making sure everything works together. So I'm thinking, wow, like I just came from, uh, you know, BlackBerry IT. I can help them with this. Maybe they need a domain set up with like SSO, like they can get, we can get a login system going. Uh, we can try to, you know, join the iPads, the domain or this and that. And I had all these ideas and not all of them flushed out, but I had all these ideas and I get to the interview and I basically answered almost half of the interview with the word Skype. They said, Hey, we need to do video calls with people that are like far away. How would you suggest that? And back then, Skype was was top shit. So I was like, well, I use Skype, like just download Skype. They're like, oh, what's the cost associated with that? Nothing. Like as long as your internet works. And if you have lower bandwidth, which was a very serious, well, it's still something to consider today, but it was very like a, a big consideration back then. It wasn't uncommon for people to still have DSL. I would just say, well, you, know, you can just use like the voice, like the voice chat instead of the video. And one person could even video if your downloads, you know, there's disparity between your download and upload as there is with DSL. And this person was super impressed and they ended up like offering me the job. And I unfortunately refused it because I was just saying, thinking to myself, I'm just going to be bored probably. Um, and I ended up getting something else that like led to other jobs and yada, yada. So I won't get into all that, but it's one of those things to consider where if you talk to anyone about their job, it doesn't matter what it is. For the most part, their response will be, oh, well, we just do and then X thing. And it, it it's rare that you would hear someone say, hey, like, what do you do for, for work? 
and someone says, well, like we do this, 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 like that's how you would have to talk if you were a developer that had, say, PHP through, you know, Laravel through, through like everything, like server management, DevOps, like, you know, the list goes on, React, you know, it's insane. Like it's too many things to remember, let alone actually work with and know very well. And so like a lot of people will get in, like they'll get through the interview process. And then once they do that, like their job ends up being just this, if that makes sense to you. Like it says, it, like you might be like, wow, you're the, you're the CTO of uh, Pebble watches. I'm just making this up of Pebble watches. Uh, you know, you must like, you know, be so busy with this, 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 and this. And then like that person might say, well, I only deal with the buttons and there's like another team that deals with this. And again, I'm just making this up because Pebble was, was my favorite smartwatch back in the day. But anyway, I'm just making this up. But like it, it, it becomes like the, the job, the job contents become usually not always less than what the actual listing is. And the listing is more like a scattershot. Like I, I read an article on, I think it was about a local scenario. But anyway, they, there was a place trying to find a nurse. I don't know if it was a clinic or a hospital, or whatever. And. I just sort of skimmed the article, but what I got out of it was they had gone through, it was either hundreds or thousands of applicants and the AI or the, you know, the auto removal process of, of auto filtering, if you will, of uh, resumes got rid of tons of people, hundreds of people, you know, a big percentage of the people. And the reason why they found out why so many people were just outright refused was because somebody put in, oh, it'd be, you know, computer programming into the into the requirements like, oh, be a nurse, know all this health stuff, know all this mental health stuff, physical health stuff, know all this, the procedures, the regulations, the changing, uh, you know, landscape of medicine and all the rest. Like, know all this, know all this, but also be a computer programmer. That'd be nice. <laughs> and I, and, and it was like, and, and so what ended up happening was, is an interview had been conducted, I guess. And again, I've just skimmed this article, but an interview had been conducted and being like to the recruiter or to the, the institution or whatever. And it was like, Hey, like, why, why is this? Like, why are you asking for your programming? And they're like, well, sometimes you have to enter data from a patient into a computer. So like, you know, person was sick today, you know, threw up or whatever, you know, whatever you have to put in the person's health card number or whatever it is. And so it became this thing where it was like, oh, so in reality, you know, you don't need a computer programmer, but like wherever it got lost in translation there, or maybe someone just thought it would be convenient or nice to have, have a computer programming skills. But, you know, you can't say that you're quote unquote desperate and you really, really need this person, but then say, well, you know, this side skill. Yeah, that's really required. Like you really need to be versed in the history of McDonald's to be a nurse here. Like it's, it's just almost that irrelevant. You know, it's the, it's, it's like, well, like I can, the basic computer skills, put that down. You know, computer programming. Oh, just, just go to university for computer programming. It's okay. And then learn all that, have a couple of years experience. Cause it didn't say like junior programming skills, you know, it's a like computer programming skills. So what level? So, you know, at the end of the day, the job will normally, not always boil down to something that is less extravagant or less full of tasks than the job posting. That's not always the case though. Yeah. It's not always the case. There are some accurate job postings or some great companies that do a really good job in the hiring process. Nothing like all kudos to those companies, but a lot of the time, especially for junior developers breaking in, that's going to be the case. You're right, Matt, hundred percent. There's just that disconnect and you have to take advantage of that disconnect as much as you can to get your foot in the door. Don't lie. But you can bend the truth a little bit on your resume 
to try to break their their AI algorithm systems that give people a chance, right? Do your best on that. That's all we can do. Now, having said that, another struggle that people have said is not have not enough time put into training. So let's say you get that job. Well, now you're being thrown into the fire because in some companies, what they do is they kind of have this sink or swim, hire fast, fire fast approach. Sometimes that works, but for a junior developer, that's a very bad approach, first of all, because a junior developer needs investment. When you hire someone that's just getting into the industry, that has some experience on their own, that has some experience through courses, that has some experience through boot camps, they need guiding. They can be really, really good if you guide them. Like I can guarantee you, like if you, if you go through the hiring process, you find someone, there's a chance that they can be really, really good. But if you throw them into the fire, you know, you're weeding out people at that point. Yes. Companies have very little time. Time is money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that kind of mentality is going to get eventually it's going to drive your team down because now what you're doing is you're filling your team up. I'm talking more to hiring managers and managers now, not junior developers. What happens is your team gets filled up with these people that can swim under extreme circumstances, but they're also not the best ones that can pass on knowledge a lot of the time. They're going to be those people that are just like really good at solving those problems right now because everything is a fire in, in your company. Like if you can't train your junior developers, that means that all the way down your line is probably you putting it, you have developers putting out fires. You don't have systems in place. You don't have onboarding processes. You don't have proper backups. Like you, it kind of can trickle down very far because everyone is in constant panic. Whereas if you put systems in place to allow junior developers to kind of have an, an on-ramp like you don't have to baby them. You don't have to like, you know, give them one task a week and hope that they can do something. You give them time with a with a developer, give them give them a person like a, a mentor in the company that they can go to for, with questions, give them certain set amount of tasks initially and see where they go from there and gauge their their knowledge based on the set amount of tasks and then guide them based on how they do. So if they're if they need less hands-on, then sure, get, start giving them more tasks with less hands-on. If they need more hands-on, then have a have a ramp for that as well, right? Try to treat people as not a cog in a machine, but a very individual like crystal. I, I don't know. That's a really stupid. <laughs> I don't a really know. I, individual, individual crystal. That's a really don't, stupid. I'm way not of putting a cog it. in the machine. Yeah. I'm a really individual I'm just, I was just crystal. Thinking, like for some reason, I was having that vision where like you put a crystal in like a little like a, a dashboard and it lights up and it becomes like something interesting and you use it to power something. I don't know. Is, these, really is this dumb. a chase? Is this a chase bank commercial where I'm at one of their ATMs and it zooms out and all the like <laughs> all the ATMs like start lighting up and it's like. You know, it's all blue or whatever, and we're we're singing T Swift or something. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we're 174 episodes in. You're 100 right. This is a Chase Bank commercial. This is a long game. <laughs> yeah, this is a long game Chase Bank commercial. All this time, we did it. We did it. We finally made it, guys. Um, but no, honestly, like it's that it's that thing where like you don't treat them as a cog. You treat them as a person. You 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 react to the way that they learn and then you can get a really really well functioning employee and uh, it, more importantly a more collaborative team because everyone's teaching each other as the employee ramps up, they'll start teaching other employees below them. It's just a really it becomes a very good system to have retention, to have better 
better work-life balance because no one's putting out fires all the time and stuff like that. So it's just, it's one of those things that you need to think about. Now, again, I'm not talking to junior developers. You don't really have a say in this. This is the problem. This is where you struggle. This is where you come into a company and you don't have the opportunity even before you come in to know that this was going to happen. So now you're in a situation where you're sink or swim and maybe you'll sink, maybe you'll swim. I don't know. But the one thing I do want to say is that if you're in that situation and you do sink, like you aren't able to get to, to ramp up fast enough, I don't want that to discourage you because what you're going to take away from that is you're still going to take away a ton of knowledge. You're still going to take away some experience in a company. And even if they do let you go in that three month probation period or whatever you have, that's going to be another stepping stone rather than it being a fall off a cliff, treat it as another stepping stone because it happens to a lot of people. The sink or swim mentality is something that is prevalent in our industry. So you need to understand that this might happen, but you also need to not be scared of it bringing you down. Just treat it as another part of the equation. The better you get and the more you, you get out there, maybe you can, maybe you can negotiate with that company to allow them to use, use them as a reference or something like that. Try to get something out of it, even if they were to let you go, because that next step might be the one where they partner you with a perfect mentor and you get, you keep going up the path, right? It's, it's one of those things that like, I'm, I'm afraid to talk about this stuff because I feel like it's going to deter some people from even going into it. Cause I know like for me, myself, if I, if I put myself in the shoes of someone just, just getting into the industry, this kind of talk would scare me. But I really, really want to be clear about it and say that it's just not be okay with failure on this front, on this level, because that's what the industry is about. And you'll learn a ton. I guarantee you, even if you fail, you're going to learn a ton. And the next job is going to be hopefully better. And you just keep going and keep going and you'll find the right fit, whether that be through freelancing, contracting, or a regular job. I will say one thing too is um, I would actually love to talk to a manager. This is almost like an all call. Like I would love to talk to a manager that is sort of what I would call, and this is just what I would call this person, like traditionally say strict, all about the numbers and throws people throws people into the fire like oh if you just can't cut the you know cut the mustard or whatever that statement is then uh you know you're done like i don't care like we have you know we got numbers to meet we got quotas to get here and if you're not going to be a valuable member of the team day one well why would we have you bye like you know someone that blunt i would love to talk to somebody that manages like that because i'm sure that those people probably do do well career wise but i would love to see how well People who are more like Mike is saying, where it's it's a more human ramp up and it's less throw in the fire and more, hey, let's try to like ramp this person up. Because the thing is, is whenever you're doing something new, you're, you're throwing yourself in the fire. You never change the tire. You're throwing yourself in the fire. You never you've never done uh, a, a database installation. Uh, you never done a database backup. You're throwing yourself in the fire. But there's one way like there's ways to throw yourself in the fire where it's a learning experience. Like going into a, a a medical class and you've never had any medical training before, you're throwing yourself in the fire, but you're being taught versus being thrown into an emergency room that's in full panic at full volume, right? There's a total difference in that scenario. And so the same can be applied to a lot of things, IT, uh, of course, development. And so like my me personally, I don't like when people are so blunt like that. Like, well, if you, you just don't know what you're doing, then get, goodbye, and it's like, oh, okay, so I am just like this cog in the machine and I better hit my numbers. And if I don't hit my numbers, I'm just useless and I like should be removed from the company and like walked off the premises type of thing. And I would love to talk to someone who manages like that 
who is, you know, maybe not totally blunt like that, but is there a reason? Is it because they have a quota that they absolutely have to reach and the company, the company structure is such that if you don't hit this number, goodbye. Like maybe the company's that blunt. Is there a, is there a management style in like, or is that management style particularly productive? Is it easy? Is it harder? Is it, getting the most out of people that like, and you're actually are quote unquote helping them by being like the tough, like the tough boss, you know, not the boss we needed, but the boss we, not the boss we wanted, sorry, but the boss we needed type of thing. I would love to talk to somebody like that because I've, I've mentioned it in the past. I think it was in the Michael McGill episode and, and like, it's just, to me, it just seems super like inhuman. I, I suppose you could say like, it just feels very like you just remove the human element. It's not like we're beating each other up. But you're removing that human element and you're just trying to like throw people into the fire just to see if they catch if they like catch fire. And it's like, well, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you say like, OK, let's try this. Let's do this like this. And if they're not doing well and you need to get them off the team and they're not the good fit, then they're not a good fit. But you don't need to like beat them up, you know, figuratively. You don't need to like beat them up figuratively, make them feel useless and then throw them away. Yeah, at least that's my opinion. So I would I would just this is a call if you're. If you're one of these managers that that does that, where you're super strict, you want the numbers, you don't give a fuck about the people, you only want the numbers, you only want the numbers. If you're one of those people, one of those managers, I would love to talk to you about this actually on the show, my, my, me personally, because it's something that I hear about and it, I hear about it in more than one industry and I would be like, I'm super interested in, to, in hearing that type of person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And there's a lot of, there's probably going to be a lot of people that come out and say some positive things about that approach. And especially from a monetary side, because you're kind of only hiring the talent that will immediately benefit your company. And you're immediately kind of, you know, cutting ties with the people that are going to be a drain for the first, you know, two or three months, potentially, right? Or six months, well, however long it takes someone to ramp up. And there's, there's different variations of that. Um, I, I understand that from a, like a capitalist approach, from a monetary approach, that that could be a problem. But in, in a longevity approach, I think there is something to be said about treating employees more like more human and giving them chances. Obviously, if they're just not like if you give them three or four chances in different directions and you hold their hand here and there and you, you know, you show them something and they don't like, for example, if you're in a situation where you ask a question and someone gives you an answer, you go implement that answer. And then three weeks or two weeks later, you ask the same question to the same developer. That's going to be seen as like, okay, maybe you should have wrote that down. Okay, sure. Then three weeks after that, you ask the same question. To me, that shows that you don't have the, you're just not taking it as seriously. You know what I mean? And maybe you should have wrote that down. Maybe there should be documentation around it. Maybe you should put an effort into that and stuff like that. So there is a situation where it, it is on the person applying. It is on the per, it is on the employee. It is on you, junior developers. But there should be a, a way to guide you to the right situation rather than just cutting you and letting someone else try. In my opinion, there should be a, a, there should be multiple stages where you sit down with someone and they're like, okay, well, let's let's see what the problem is. Like you ask the same question a couple times. Maybe let's put a system in place where if you ask a question, write it down. Maybe you share that with, a, with the entire team so that. When you ask a question, it kind of gets answered for everyone. It's a great resource. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's, a, there's ways around it rather than just cutting ties with that person. Now, if like you, you keep doing that and all that, like there is a point where you have to let go for sure. It's just the reality of things like the fit isn't there or something like that. But in my opinion, we're just not giving people enough chance 
before we get to that point. I'm also curious to talk to someone that's more strict, that's more hire fast, fire fast uh, from that kind of mentality. It would be a really interesting conversation. <coughs> okay, next thing here. A huge time investment to apply to each company properly. And this one, this one's pretty big because a lot of times if you want to get your resume noticed, you need to add a cover letter. You also need to tailor the resume exactly to the application. So if you're applying to, let's say, 20 jobs, each job, yes, you can take a basic resume, but you'll have to cater that resume. Each job will have a different posting. You'll have to write almost a different cover letter. It'll take time, like, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how many times you've already done it. You'll get better as you go to apply to each job. And a lot of it's going to be seen as like a throwaway because who knows if you're going to get the job? Who knows if you're going to get even an interview or anything like that? So, I always put it like this, applying to jobs almost feels like a full-time job because of how much work you have to put into it to make yourself stand out, to make your your case, to go to interviews, like to buy clothes, to get ready, like prep, like a lot of these interviews. If you're applying for a big company, like a, a Fang company or a Mang company, whatever it is now, it's it's like a, an exam. Like they, they actually like, this is something that I heard. I haven't applied to any one of them, but for, for something like Amazon, they send you a booklet, like a big, big booklet where they tell you, Hey, here's, here's what you need to know for this exam, for this interview. And it's like a textbook essentially. And you sit there for weeks preparing for this interview, like it is an exam. So you're, you're, you're investing a ton of time into it, um, just to get through it. So it's one of those things that like it, you can't do it almost, you almost can't do it on the side. You have to kind of take time off work. You have to, you have to not have a social life. You have to just really invest time into it, which sucks. Like for, for a lot of people, that's another struggle is that it's just a stupidly high time sink. But having said that, I don't know of a way around that because again, you need to get through that process. This is the barrier. This is that, this is that area where like you, you see that meme where the person is mining and they give up right before the diamonds happen. This is where that happens. Because like you're, you've applied to 30 jobs, 40 jobs, you've gotten like one interview, maybe no interviews. And you're like, I'm going to give up. But maybe that next job is going to be the one that is going to give you a, or the next application is going to give you the job. You don't ever know if you don't keep doing it. So you have to keep applying and adjusting and learning from your mistakes. That's another thing. Like when you're going through this process and you, you know, you apply 40 times with the same exact kind of t- technique and you don't get a response, maybe try something different. Maybe take a course on resume building. Maybe ask someone, maybe, you know, get get some feedback. You need some feedback. And that's another thing is like when you're investing your time and you're going through the interview process, try to get as much feedback as you can. Like let's say that they've said no, maybe send up a follow-up email and ask them what you could have done better, what you needed, what you needed to actually get to the next step. Some of them people won't reply. That's fine. Maybe someone will. And that kind of interest could actually build into a more longer lasting relationship too. Maybe like three months down the line, they'll reach out again. Who knows? But anyway, like, like I'm saying, you gotta, you gotta get your own feedback. No one's gonna, not no one, but a lot of the time, no one's gonna willingly give you feedback. You have to try to push for it. The other thing is like when you're going through this, the worst thing that can happen or one of the worst things is getting ghosted. I know this happened to me when I was applying a little while, like a long time ago, where I would just apply and I would get literally zero feedback. Like no response, three weeks go by, didn't get anything. Or if I was in there, worse, worse even than that is like getting interviewed and then being like, okay, we'll, we'll let you know in two weeks and then getting no, nothing, no email, no call, nothing. So 
it sucks. Like those are the struggles that people are going through right now. And obviously it's going to bring you down because then you're, you start thinking about like, am I worth it? Should I keep doing this? Cause like, why would they not even take that two seconds of time to reply no to me? That's the thought process that's going through a junior developer's head. I'm assuming. So like, I don't know, like that, that kind of stuff sucks. And I don't really have a solution for it in any way, shape or form. I think it's just one of those things you have to power through, which sucks. I know, I know it's, it's sounds shitty to hear that, but there's not much you can do. Like you have, you can only control so much and you just keep, you, you keep that control by applying to places, by going to interviews and by kind of powering through and getting your first placement. Another thing too, is that there's other ways to, uh, find jobs really now nowadays. Like if you, if you want to, I mean, this is, it, it, it is a time sink. I want to be clear. This isn't like, Hey, just do it this way. No. Uh, but like if you're in the Twitter community, you know, you can find a job that way. If you're building something for yourself in public, maybe someone will notice it and they'll see your blog or they'll see your Twitter, this and that, like having uh, an in with someone like, Hey, you know, I'll chat with this other person on LinkedIn or on some other social thing, or maybe someone that, you know, in person, have a chat with them. Maybe they can get you in somewhere. If, if like applying the traditional route doesn't work, then you can always try a different way. You can try multiple ways at once. It is a time sink. Like Mike said, you know, there's nothing that really can be done that way, but I've definitely gotten jobs from just word of mouth. I've gotten jobs just from the place needing a person so bad that they didn't even care what was on the resume. I've had people be super picky. People be wrong about what the job listing is, as I've already mentioned today, stuff like that. And so it's, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those things that's like a, it's a struggle and it, it sucks, but you just kind of have to do it for the most part. But there's other ways to do it. If, if, if you think that, Hey, you know what? Like I've been sending out so many resumes. I'm just like on the waiting list in so many places. Let me try something else. Maybe if you're building something, start building a little bit in public, this and that building a Twitter audience or building an audience isn't exactly easy. But if someone like a recruiter catches, catches your profile on LinkedIn or catches your blog or catches your whatever, then you could be, you know, in, in for a treat and get right to the, right to the, interview interview stage or you might get right to the technical person you might skip the hr interview and then go right to the technical interview something like that or they'll tell you hey can you just come in that type of thing and bring your resume with you you know now you have your foot in the door now you have a bit of an in there uh and then of course like i said using mentors or using people that you know and be like hey like is there any you know, we're kicking around, you know, it sucks that, you know, don't, don't like harass people all the time. And I know people sometimes hate getting that question, but I mean, you're, you're trying to find something. And so you have to be a little bit like that, like, Hey, you know, they've been kicking around in your company, you know, anything available, you know, where would I apply? Don't necessarily throw it in their court to say, Hey, like, where would I apply? They might help you. They might say, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll call the manager and just get him to get him to give you his email or whatever. And so there's other ways to do it. I'd also like to say one little thing too. I don't want, I don't want to go on like a super big tangent here, but I actually think that like that the applying to jobs in general, this isn't just development jobs, is starting to get out of control. There's too many steps. Uh, there's too many ways to do it. I remember helping my dad like apply because uh, he like had whatever he got out of retirement from one place and yada yada. I'm not gonna get into the whole thing, but he like 
going through the process with him a few years ago was a whole, a whole thing. Oh, sign up for this software. Okay. Well, you know, you can upload your resume and then our AI will put your, put your, put your resume in this form. Make sure it's right. Well, half the time it isn't right. Okay. Now we, now you have a digital resume on, you know, job plus or whatever the hell the platform is called. Then that's like, oh, go apply to a couple jobs. So you go to apply for a job. Oh, this person doesn't have that version of this. So now you also need to attach a PDF of your thing. Oh, please include a cover letter. Oh, please take your cover letter here. Please include your references. But, you know, sign up for this other service. Go here. Go there. Go to Indeed. Oh, it's one. Oh, it's one click. It's one click, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, one click application on Indeed as long as you put all the stuff into your Indeed. Oh, but some places don't do that. So you have to go to their software and then sign up for there. So now you get like eight accounts going because you've applied to all these places and then you're writing all these. Co- like it's it's out of control. Like it's it's too, it's too many. It's like. You should might as well start like a sort of recruitment business because you know so much about resume and cover letter writing at some point. Like, I think that this is, this is something that I don't know what's going to necessarily change now or soon, but I think it's something that needs to change. Like, you don't need to know the person's life story. You can bring them in, have a conversation and, and, and move on. Now, I realize that the company is basically offloading the time to you. So the more that they can vet you, the less interviews they have to do. Because they have a more vetted candidate and the, and the less time that they're spending, but the more time the applicant itself is spending. But I think there may be a happy medium there. You can't have eight, nine pieces of software signing into accounts, digital resumes and PDFs and you're attaching stuff, but then you also got to attach your digital resume from your profile. It's out of control. Like it, it is out of control. Even I was struggling with it and I know what I'm doing when it comes to computers. And it's like, oh, now we got to sign up again. Oh, this person needs this. This person needs that. Oh, this person needs, for some reason, this person needs a driver's license. Like what's up? What's going on here? Like, why do they need that right now? Like you can just ask me if I have it. No, no, I need a picture. Like it's, it's out of control. It's out of control. I think, and and I think that it's it's spiraling, and it it might get worse than before it gets better, but it's too much. It's too much, and that's my two cents. Just a quick word from this episode's sponsors. Have you ever really been happy with your project management tool? I mean, most are either too simple for a growing engineering team to manage everything that they need to. Or they're just way too complex and no one wants to use them because they require constant prodding. Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse, is different though because it's worse. Wait, no, no, we mean it's better. Shortcut is project management built specifically for software teams and they're fast, intuitive, flexible, powerful, and many other nice, positive adjectives. Let's look at some of their highlights. Things like team-based workflows. Individual teams can use Shortcut's default workflows or customize them to match the way they work. Org-wide goals and roadmaps. The work in these workflows is automatically tied into larger company goals. It takes one click to move from a roadmap to a team's work to individual updates and vice versa. And other useful things like tight VCS integrations. Whether you use GitHub, GitLab, or Bitbucket, Shortcut ties directly into them so you can update progress right from the command line. That is super keyboard friendly. And while we're on that topic, yes, the rest of Shortcut is just as keyboard friendly with their power bar that allows you to do virtually anything without touching your mouse. Throw that thing right in the trash. And finally, iterations planning. Set weekly priorities and then let Shortcut run the schedule for you with the accompanying burndown charts and other reporting. 
Give it a try at shortcut.com slash H-A-T-T. Again, that's shortcut.com slash H-A-T-T. Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse, because you shouldn't have to project manage your project management. Ho, ho, ho. If you want to level up as a web developer, then I highly recommend you try out Scrimba's Christmas event. They're going to be having 24 Christmas-themed code challenges, one every day up until Christmas, where they're actually going to pick a solution of the day and display it on their site. They're also going to have prizes every day. There's going to be weekly festive coding live streams, a Christmas Eve live stream party, and $1,000 of cold, hard cash to give out and selected from all the entries. Scrimba is a great and fantastic platform for learning web development and getting your first web developer role. I highly recommend you check them out. To check them out, follow them at Scrimba on Twitter. They're going to post all the updates for every single challenge on there. You can also go to scrimba.com slash learn slash javascriptmiss2021. Again, that's scrimba.com slash learn slash javascriptmiss2021. Kind of like Christmas, but with JavaScript. And we'll have all those links in the show notes for you to follow. Please give it a shot. It's a really, really great platform. Thank you. And now back to the episode. Yep, it is. It, it honestly is. And I think that rant was needed. And I think a lot of people will uh, agree with you because it's just, like I said, it's like a full-time job, just applying to jobs because there's just so many steps. There's just so much you have to do. And then it's also like putting it out into the nether. Because it's not like you've done all this and then you're guaranteed an interview. No, you're not guaranteed anything. Not guaranteed you're put anything. In a, not a single thing. Yeah, yeah you're, you're put in two hours. You're not guaranteed anything. W- worse yet, and this is kind of my next point too, is that like that interview process that you go through could be a disaster in the sense that, yeah, you could it could be going great for you. But you could have seven interviews, seven interviews over a, a span of like three months with different people, different teams. You have board interviews where you have like five people on on is sitting in like they throw everything at you and I, I don't know if it's try to break you i don't know if it's to like see how well you fit as a cog i don't i don't know what it's about i think it's like it's one of those things that it was a lot of tiny decisions of different managers trying to be like the the hiring guy or something like that you know what i mean like it's like these people that are that think really highly of themselves or are really influential in the company they're like well you know we we had the situation where an employee wasn't great at this particular task maybe we can add our interview just for that task or just for that kind of mentality and then another hiring guy or another manager is like well we had a problem with this and then they they just keep piling on interviews and piling on interviews just to weed out people that aren't the same, like, so they're not the same as the people that have the issues that they had. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the mentality is of putting someone through seven weeks of hell, essentially, because for, for the hiring people, okay. Like it's, you know, it's time. It sucks for the interviewer. It's extreme stress every time, extreme stress. That's what you have to understand when they're in that interview position, they're getting interviewed. Every question to them is like, okay, am I going to fail or pass this? This is a, this is exams on a whole nother level. So when you put like, I understand putting, cause I went through one interview. That's my, that's my mentality. If you need a technical one, have another person sitting there doing this, some technical stuff. I, I don't, I don't think it's ever necessary. And I mean ever, and this might be a controversial statement, having more than one interview. I think it's ludicrous that we do that. And I, again, I have heard seven interviews being used on people (laughs) and not getting the job. Imagine investing seven interviews worth of time. That's hours, hours Uh, upon hours, days and getting zero 
feedback for that or zero uh, uh, payment for that or anything like that. Like and I'm that, not laughing at the people. I'm laughing at how ridiculous it is. Exactly. That's the thing. It's an absolutely ridiculous place. So, like, the, the hiring process is broken on a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. We can't fix that. Like, me and me, Matt and I cannot fix the hiring process. We can inform you about it. I don't want to scare you, though. And I'll do this not to, to, to not scare you. There are the, – the more I network, and I'll talk about this in the next segment about, like, how to get away from all this – the more I network and the more I talk to people and the more I see these small startups starting up, we had Theo on the podcast uh, recently, I think it was last week or a week before, we we, we talk to these people that are do, making a difference and making a difference in a way that affects junior developers especially, where they're training you up, where they're hiring you without this ridiculous interview process. There's smaller companies out there that are willing to put in the investment and get a really big investment back. It's not like they're doing this for their own, you know, for just fun and being nice. They're doing this because they're realizing that if you're investing in the sanity of these people that we're hiring <laughs> by not putting them through this hellish process, we get a better employee, a better buy-in. We get more product out of them eventually. Like this is a one to the, it, it absolutely is that way. If you get, if you treat a person like a human being and you train them, imagine training, like imagine that. If you train them, they're going to be better than they were before. So that's what people are doing now. So there are companies out there and it's slowly shifting. And I can almost guarantee that that is going to be a trend going on. Now, it's not to say that like, you can still get a job with these seven interviews and it still can be a good job. You can get paid six figures, all that. Like that's all, that's all doable. And you can be part of that process. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying like it's, it's a process that's broken. That's all. And I think it needs to be rethought. Well, the, one of the things that we, we heard from our time as a co-op uh, in our co-op classes, we had like a co-op prep class that would help us apply and stuff. And one thing that we learned was that, you know, interviews in general, and it's different per company, but in general, interviews can be seen as a way to sort of put people on the spot, maybe see how they do under pressure or see, you know, see what they're like in, 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 see what they're like personally and in their tech skills and all that or whatever skill applies to a given job. But my one thing is there's no experience in a job that I can think of for the most part that is like the interview process. So if you're putting me through an interview process to, to get an impression of who I am and who I am under a certain circumstance, unless your job or unless the job that you're hiring me for includes a situation that is, is an interview or is interview like, I'm going to be different in both of those. You're going to get a, a feel. Am I a miserable person? Am I a happy person? Am I skilled? Am I not skilled in whatever skill it is? Sure. You can get a little bit of an impression, an impression, not a guarantee uh, of, of these things. But it's it's interesting to me that these larger companies, although it makes sense because they have to put everything into a procedure because they're so big, but it's interesting that they they wouldn't pick up on the fact that like, hey, we're we're putting people through these interviews and we're not like, like they're different on the job. Like they're super stressed out. They're like all whatever at the interview and then when they get into the job, maybe they're not as stressed out or they're different. Like their persona is a little more happy because they're not worried about, oh, my God, like every little thing I say. Like I, I remember being in an interview 
and I have no guarantee about this, but this is the, what I've gathered. I mean, I did a couple, I did a, quite a few co-op interviews and, and one of the interviews, I believe I got turned down in, in favor of, uh, of a colleague, which was totally fine because my last question that I answered was, do you prefer a larger team or a smaller team? And I said, well, I worked on a team of, I think it was 16 people at the time. I said, in my last job, I worked on a team of 16 people. And I really liked that because I would go to this person for advice on databases and this person because they would teach me this way. This this person because they had expertise here. This person because they had a different method of teaching and I really was really, really stuck and I didn't want to be thrown to the fire. So I went to this other person. And so this person's told me like, oh, well, you know, in this particular team, it's just it would just be you and I. And I was like, oh, well, that's fine. Like, that's not a problem. I believe more than likely the other person answered the question with. Oh, I, I don't mind a small team type of thing. Uh, stuff like that has de- like it, it's just like those one off answers that like I'm not going to lie in the in the moment because a I didn't know if it was a big or small team. So I, what, I'm just, why would I lie? Like, why would I say I like small teams when I prefer big teams when I didn't even know what the team size was? Right. So what I'm trying to get at is like you're in this social situation that is it is unlike any other that I can think of. And they're trying to get like a legit uh, impression of you. Socially, technically, skill-wise, whatever whatever job you're doing, and it's 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 an it's a fake scenario, if you will. It's not a real scenario. It's not like I was walking down the hallway and you were like, "Man, this hard drive is messing up" or something. Like, what's wrong with this computer? And then I jump in. It's very much like a weird a weird question. Like, I'll give another example. I went to another interview one time, and uh, I believe I didn't get hired at that interview because one of the questions was. Uh, how do you check the system uptime on Windows? Never done it before. Couldn't remember how to do it. Believe we talked about it once in class and there was a command line thing for it. But whoever checks the uptime of Windows, Windows, not Windows Server, Windows, like just Windows, like this, how long is this person on not home edition, but business edition, but for an individual employee, how long has this computer been on? And I said, I'm, I'm like, I'm fairly certain it's a command prompt, uh, you know, command. I can absolutely, I can absolutely take a look. Uh, and I would be able to research and figure that out. Like, that's not a problem. But the one guy kind of got a little arrogant almost, or at least what I thought. But again, I don't know these people, right? So I'm in the, I'm in a room with strangers. But the way he looked, he looked kind of arrogant. He's like, well, you just you just go into control panel. You do this. And I was like, oh, okay, good to know. But I believe that he was probably the vote of no. Like, no, we don't want him because he doesn't know what he's talking about. But it's like, I do know 90% of what they were talking about, if not more, but I didn't know the uptime. Like, when am I going to do the uptime? Every morning? Everybody, report your uptime, please. Please go to the control pit. You know, like, it's a ridiculous thing. And so the reason why I bring this up is because the interview process is, a, is it's a fake meeting of minds. It's an important one, but you're not going to be able to ace it because there's going to be scenarios in which you just don't have the answer to the question, like I did in that second scenario, or it's an it's a preference thing and you say your preference you're not lying you, you know you have justification for it you have a reason you have a previous experience that you use to justify it and then you still quote unquote fail that question and yep. there's just there's really nothing you can do i mean there's nothing you can do for stuff like that mm-hmm. exactly even if you're the best developer in the world or the best employee in the world you're gonna fail some interviews just because there's gonna be that random question the other thing like I, that you brought up with the fakeness i told like it it's not only fake scenario you're a fake person most of the time, because 
if you look at interview prep, it's teaching you how to be something else. It's teaching you to conform to a certain thing. So it's not you that's speaking these things. It's your interview prep speaking, which isn't you. So it's going it's doing the opposite of things. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a good point too. Like you're, you're telling people what they want to hear. It's the most useless part of anything. Like what, what are you doing? Like you're just, you're learning the star method. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're treating an interview like an exam and then forgetting 99% of what you learned in the interview process just to get into the job. So again, the system is broken. There's better ways to do it. I have and I have ideas for better ways to do it. I'm not going to talk about them on this podcast right now because there's so much other stuff to talk about. But there's better ways to, to lead the hiring process for companies that are better for the developers, for the people that are being hired, and better for the teams, better for the managers. It's just better because what we're doing right now is garbage for the most part. It's just garbage. Like everyone is just training to be a cog in a machine during the interview process. And then, and then who knows what you get at the end? Because now that they've made it through, now they can be themselves and now they're going to be whatever. Like it's just, it's such a weird, it's a weird mentality. But having said that, I'm just going to mention a couple more things that people have mentioned to me about struggles. One of them is whiteboard interviews. Again, that's another part of what we were just discussing, having to get up there, put some pressure on someone to write code or write a system out in in front of a bunch of people, explain the system out. I can understand that if you're going to be hiring for a position that's like a manager or a position or a, or a dev experience position where the developer will actually be doing that. Like they'll actually be going to like in front of clients or in front of other developers and explaining stuff on a whiteboard. There are, there are positions like that. I'm not, I'm not just making it up. There are, there are situations where you actually do whiteboard stuff, 100%. But if you're hiring for a web developer that needs to code up a, like a site or needs to call up some features that needs to, you know, just pay, like, you know, be a team member and stuff like that, and they're never going to touch a whiteboard in their entire career, don't ask them to do a whiteboard interview and ask them to create a singleton pattern or, or sort an array. If they're not going to be sorting an array, don't ask them to sort an array. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's useless. Again, it's a struggle. I have no solutions for that. You just, like, it's one of those things that, again, you have to treat the interview like an exam, study for it, study the, study the whiteboard stuff, and get through it, get to the other side, and then you can control your destiny. Another thing, the take-home projects. This one's a pet peeve of mine because it's ridiculous to me, but I've seen take-home projects become bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I was mentoring someone and they said, hey, I got a take-home project and they showed me the take-home project and it was a 15-page site that had to be responsive, that had to be built with React, that had to be built with Tailwind. It was a full, 100% a full website, like start to finish, that would take approximately five days of full, full-time work, at least, for like a regular developer. And when I saw that, I was just like, I was shocked. I was like, how could they possibly justify doing this? Like, not they're not paying you for it. So they're asking you to code up a website for them. They could take it and use it because that's how they, they <laughs> you're giving them the website. Like you're going to, they could take it, use it as a base and modify it and sell it. They could. That's a pretty good racket. It just, yeah. just like keep doing interviews and giving people at home projects, but they're just, they're just client work. The, the guarantee that people do that because like, I'm, why would you ever ask someone to code start to finish an entire website for an interview? Like that seems ridiculous to me. And this person like was obviously upset about it, but they had to do it because they're part of, they're, they're going through this process. 
That's it's one thing. thing to ask for like a templated thing like, hey, we're going to make a blog site, you know, a quote unquote blog site. Just give me a page that would be like a blog post. Give me a page that would be like the archive or the blog collections page and then give me a homepage. And that, you know, that's one thing because yep. that you could use those effectively as templates and then whatever that like that's a good enough view of skill where you're like, I'm getting a unique page homepage. I'm getting a collection page, which has a bunch of content boxes, which you'll use all the time. And then I'm going to get a rich in uh, media page and text and images and like, I don't know, throw a YouTube video in there, whatever, like embed it like that type of stuff makes a heck of a lot of sense to go in there and be like, yeah, well, you know, we need specific. I don't know if they needed specific text and stuff, but it was like to build out a whole effectively a whole client website. We don't know if that's what it was, but a whole client website. First of all, I wouldn't do that in a week. If a client came to us and they're paying us, I wouldn't do that in a week. If it was that big, that'd be like a couple months because obviously we're juggling multiple clients, but that'd be a few months. Like I wouldn't do that in a couple of days. That's what I'm saying. Like it was ridiculous. It was an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous ask. And it's your people are going to struggle with that. Like, yes, you get some of the requirements for you. You don't have to go back and forth with the client. So that saves a lot of time. But like, it's just, I don't know. It To me, it was overextending like you were you're overextending your reach here like don't do this in my opinion <laughs> if you're gonna be if you're gonna get that five five day take-home project from the interview imagine what that job is gonna be like just imagine so as much as i don't want people like i don't want to deter people from taking chances if you see this i would almost say just run just go find something else there's other there's other opportunities out there it's not worth it to invest five days of your life into something that's probably not going to make it like you're probably not going to get there. Now, there's a couple of ways that this could go. Like you said, just a, a small subset of that website, a couple pages or a one page, one one component, something like like a couple of page types. Give me a give yeah. me a blog, an archive, exactly. and a one unique, and give just me a, a one generic unique page. page type. Yeah, yeah, total. Okay, fine. A couple hours. Okay, I I still don't like that, but whatever. Like it's a couple hours of your time. Maybe it's worth it. You get some experience. You get a project under your belt. Great. No problem. It, it kind of makes more sense in, in a COVID time. Yeah. Where everyone's just doing everything over the phone and maybe they like give you the project because it's like you're doing homework anyway. Like it almost makes more sense that way. But at the same time, it does feel a little weird. Like it, it I, you know what? I don't know. It's this whole thing. I don't think there's a perfect way to do this. Like I don't want I don't want to come from the spot of being like, hey, I know exactly what needs to be fixed. I just know that there is a better way to do it. Definitely than this, because this like in this, uh, this, the current way of applying to jobs in general is too involved for not having a guarantee of some sort of income or position or even an answer. It's too much of an investment of time with no guaranteed or even there's even a low probability of getting a return depending on your job field. Yep, exactly. But Having said that, like, again, there are ways to do it a little bit better. So let's say you do want someone, want to see someone's skills. Like you want to see someone create a whole web page for whatever reason. I don't know why, but you want to see them create the 17 page site. Pay them. Pay them an internship fee. You know what I mean? It doesn't have yeah, to see, be. That, that's reasonable. Like here, like yeah. here's, here's a little thing, you know, do this, do this thing. We'll pay you 500 bucks or whatever and do it. And like that, like that makes sense. Yeah, that's, pay, that's pay like five people to do it and pick the best one. And then if you, and then those people got 500 bucks, yep. they're probably down on their luck because they're between jobs. And okay. Like, like they were, they, it was an involved process. They were paid <laughs> and then they left. 
Correct. They left or they, or they stayed. It's like a contract. It's like a little mini contract. I, I personally like this, this, this might be a little bit controversial or it might not be playing to everyone's strengths, but I personally like the contract to hire approach. So like, I'll always take that like low barrier approach where I don't even want to do the interview. Let me just do something for you. Pay me to do it. If even if it's like a couple days. Will pay pay me to do that work for a couple of days. I'll show you what I can do, and then you can we can talk about hiring. Screw the interview. Like I don't want to do the interview, and, and that's that's the way I've approached a lot of my recent hire, like a lot of my recent um, jobs and recent hires. Actually, I'll hire someone on if I need help with on a project, and I'll have that relationship where I'm like, okay, I've seen what they can do in their GitHub. I'll throw them a project that I'm going to pay them for. And if they can do it, I'll just continue to throw them work until we can work out a working relationship. That's to me, that's the best way. Now that doesn't work to everyone's strengths. Like you said, there is no perfect, like there's no one solution to this problem, but I think there are better ways to do it. And this, you know, if you need that five day take home exam, then pay someone to do it. That's perfectly fine. If you need that low barrier, then contract someone out for a little bit. You know what I mean? Low risk. Do low risk things, but be respectful of the per- of the person's time. Like don't don't try to throw a ridiculous ask at them and tell them to you know take over their life for five days. Like it's ridiculous. Like that 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 was. Oh, I wish I could talk to that company honestly. Like, well, here, not- here's the thing that sucks too is if you're super passionate about something. So if you if you're super passionate about uh, like developing like programming. And and you're you're really into it, which is what companies probably generally want. They want you to be super into it, very flexible with your time. You know, maybe you'll even stay late, but not just because like, oh, I better do my overtime just because you're like, man, I want to solve that issue. Like you're passionate about solving the problems or the technology or the product you're working on or whatever it is. They probably want someone that's passionate like that. And what's fascinating about this is that this process of applying is so, if you will, corporate which makes sense. Of course it's corporate, but it's so corporate and it's so not human and it's so boring. It's boring, uh, that it will drain, it will drain your, you know, your tank, if you will. Like it makes you not want to do it. What's fascinating is, is that the people that are super into it are probably into it and they're not even doing this. So let me give you an example. If you're super, super, super into video game writing, you really want to be a writer. You probably have your own little blog or you're messing around with that or you have your own podcast or this and that. And if someone were to offer you a position, you know, you're, you would probably take it or you have a foot in the door or someone noticed your work or this and that because you're passionate about it. And even if you don't have a job at that time, assuming you have the, just the general, the, the general free time, you are going to be doing that thing. In this case, video game writing. And so someone might notice you, offer you a position, and then that that's it. You're off to the races and it's over. But we have this we have this this sort of soulless and we talked about this with Theo as well is like there's this there's this there's there's a, a need for web agencies because companies that are not technical require websites and because there's a need, someone will open a business to fulfill that need. Mike and I do this. We work on various client projects. Some of them we have no idea what they're about. Like, it's like, hey, man, I don't know anything about what are animals or whatever. Like, you got to write all the content. Like, I'll help you out with the with the stuff. We'll mess around with the pictures or whatever. There's all the technical stuff. I don't know anything about animals. Like, I don't know. I'm not a zookeeper or whatever. Like, you know, there's a need for companies like this. And it's totally fine. It's reasonable. We like our clients and yada, yada. And, and, it's, and, and it's fine. And it's fine. But someone who's like 
really, 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 really passionate about, say, uh, working in Web3, which is a new t- trendy thing, or really passionate for whatever reason about making uh, PWAs, they're more than likely already in it. They probably got some contacts because they probably asked for help and they might just find a job that skips this entire procedure. And so what I'm trying to get at is I wouldn't be surprised. I have no numbers on this. I could be totally wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if the people that this process is designed to find are the most passionate, but the most passionate aren't even using it. Yep. That is exactly 100% correct. And with that, I'm going to move right into our advice because I talk a lot about this. I'm going to be talking a lot about exactly what you're saying, Matt. Uh, and I'll, I'll shorten it because you've said it great. You've said a great job there, but we'll go right to our advice. Segment number two, skill up is the first one here. So a lot of the stuff that we were talking about before is to do with your confidence. So you don't have enough, you know, you don't have enough confidence with, uh, you know, with your skills, you're, you're lacking that one or three years experience. The only way to get confident with that kind of stuff is to actually use it, right? So if you're not confident with the JavaScript, if you're not confident with PHP, if you're not confident with React, whatever it is, use it. Use it in a course, use it in a, you know, a project that you're creating, use it in a bootcamp that whatever, whatever you choose, to make, to make yourself better, do that and do it on a consistent basis. Skilling up is a really, really important step in this process because again, it's, it's not only making you a better developer, it's giving you the confidence. It's both while you're applying, make sure that you're actually learning that kind of stuff. You're actually applying your skills, not only applying to jobs, because as you get more confident, it'll be a lot easier to have that sit down interview and be passionate about the stuff that you're talking about because you're not only passionate about your you know your about knowing the interview process you're passionate about the stuff that you're talking about in the interview process and i guarantee you that the interviewer will see that will they'll, they'll see that passion build up so when when you're in the process of interviewing you've obviously already gone through a lot of either courses or university or boot camp whatever continue to build on that as you go. Because again, you get better and better. There's all different kinds of ways. Like Scrimba is a really good way for you to kind of learn and, and use, use their courses. They have a free course, paid course, whatever. But they're, they have a lot of course platforms out there that can kind of get you there. There's, you know, Udemy courses. There's tons of courses on there, free, not free, whatever. There's YouTube, YouTube tutorials. There's tons of that. There's communities like HTML, the things or even Mintbean. Mintbean, we had Monarch on our, on our show a little while ago. They do hackathons. We or monthly. I'm not sure where their hackathon schedule is like right now, but a hackathon is a great way to skill up because it forces you into a situation that you're building a project under a certain deadline. And it's weird. This is a weird psychological thing, but you think that like the deadline would make it worse, but really it, it's actually a forcing factor for you to learn the stuff quicker. And that's what you need when you're, when you're on your own, when you're in this process, you need something that forces you into a pigeonhole and forces you into that situation where there's no choice. So that's why these hackathons, in my opinion, they're usually a week long, will get you to a point where you can kind of confidently build projects, show them off. Usually there's a lot of mentorship going on during the hackathon, whether it be between the devs themselves or with like Monarch, who's the owner of Mintbean and all the other senior devs that are participating will help the junior devs kind of go through and build those relationships, right? So as you're building projects, as you're taking the courses, as you're skilling up, 
you're also starting to establish that kind of network of people that are mentoring you, that are answering your questions and that can see you scaling up as well. And that's going to be at the back of their minds all the time because our our situation as like intermediate to senior developers, if we're in a contract position, if we're in a job position, there's churn within the development industry because there's so many opportunities out there once you're in. A lot of the time, someone will work there for a year or two and then be like, oh, I found an opportunity that pays me two times. So they're going to leave and they're going to ask internally first if they know anyone that can fill that role. And that's where you can come in. And like Matt was saying, that's where the passionate developers are going, not through this corporate process that the corporations are looking to get the passionate people. No, it's mostly the really, really skilled, passionate people are getting pulled in without even going through that process. And that's where I want you to be. That's my advice is I want you to take this opportunity to get better at programming and to find not only a job, but find the job that you can kind of be happy with right away. Because if you're, first of all, if you're working with your mentor, that's going to be really awesome. If you're working in a company that values mentorship, you can have that conversation with people that are already working there. If you're in that process of networking, right? You can already know that before you get in. You have an in with the company, you have some trust built up and you have that kind of, not maybe not leverage, but you have almost like a step up on junior development because you've already proven that you can do some of the skills. I would like to touch on one thing, and, and it's a little bit devil's advocate e if that's a way to say it, but it's a little bit on the devil's advocate side of things because I, we, we do – or we have had several conversations on this show, not this episode, but on the show, where we say, you know, some people aren't web developers, like – uh, aren't developer, aren't web developers on their off time. They're, they're doing it as a job just to make money. And I just want to point out that like, that's totally fine too. You can still, you know, do your own, like Mike's going to touch on create projects and stuff like this. You can still go and do create your own projects. You can still go and do hackathons. You can still go and do that. But the instant you land that job, you know, it's totally reasonable to just sort of be like, okay, you know, just do your job, do it well, get your money. And then you leave. Like that's totally reasonable. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people are very, not passionate about anything, if you will. Like they're not like all fired up about something. They're just very much like, will I get paid $20 an hour for this? Yes. Okay, cool. And that's totally fine. Uh, that's totally fine. It's just, we're kind of, when we suggest all this type of stuff and the passion and this and that, it's very much a, it's very much from a place of like, um, what would you say? This is like, this is like a way to get into it. You can either go the corporate way. You can do the passionate way where you're doing a bunch of projects, this and that. But there's ways to get in there. And we're just sort of like suggesting all these different ways to get in there. But if you're a person that's just like, I don't really care about web development, but I also don't really care about work. I'm just going to do something that's like in a clean environment where I can just work and get paid or work from home. Totally reasonable. Totally fine. Just take the processes that you can get in there and then I don't know, ride the wave, if you will. Yep. And honestly, I've seen that happen many times, exactly what you're saying. Like they use their passion, they build the projects, they build their network, then they get their dream job placement and then they kind of disappear from the passion or disappear from the network, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're still contacting some people, but for the most part, they're happy with their jobs. They're, you know, they're making the money that they want to make and they're learning as much as they want to learn internally. Then they go back to doing the stuff internally, you know, leveling up in the company and all that and stuff like that. And that's perfectly fine. Honestly, that's the, that's a great way to go about it. And again, like Matt said, this is a way for you to get in. There's different ways to get in. We're trying to give you options because Mm -hmm. the corporate way, 
sure, it works 100%. There's plenty of, there's plenty of opportunities out there, but it might not be the best way for you. You might not want to be that cog, like, like we talked about with Theo. You might want to be that kind of more passionate developer that wants to pick their project or wants to pick the company. And this is the way for you to allow you to do that. It requires a ton of work. This is not easy. None of what we're saying is easy. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to make dumb this down in any way. This takes a ton of work. You got to network, network, network. That's my next point here. Like you have to talk to people. You have to go on Twitter. You have to go on LinkedIn. You have to, you know, join stuff, maybe speak, like actually like do one-on-one sessions with mentors and stuff like that. You have to show that you've put in the work. So you have to actually build stuff. Like it's, it's a ton and a ton of work. This isn't a joke, but it's really, really rewarding. I've seen it again, anecdotally. I've seen it benefit multiple people. We had David on the podcast many times. It benefited him directly. He wanted to work in a certain framework called Satamic. He wanted to work with Vue. He wanted that. When he was laid off, he fully dove into it. He fully dove into those technologies. He fully dove into the community around those technologies. And he was offered jobs. He was offered contracts. He was offered freelancing work. And he was eventually offered a job in that technology because he dove in. And it didn't take him that long. It was not like a, you know, a year or two year process. This was a, a month long process and it was a lot, a ton of work. You can ask him. It was a ton of work and he had to put it in every single day. And it's not about, you know, becoming an influencer or building a massive community. It's about putting in that work and showing that you're there for people to see. And that it takes skill, it takes time, but it's totally doable. I, I believe you can do it. If you're in that place where you just need, you want that passion to bleed out, join a community. Again, join Twitter, join Discord, join Mintbean, whatever, join something and figure, figure out where you kind of sit in that community and, and try to benefit other people. Like the best way to be in a community is to actually like prop other people up, help other people. Tell them that you're, they're doing a great job. Help the, tell them like, you know, provide advice of some sorts, maybe provide some feedback for their work and stuff like that. That's a great way to form, start, start forming relationships. It's not about only creating stuff for yourself. It's about trying to, you know, be that reciprocal member. That's what people I think lose out on a lot and don't understand is that it's, it's a really back and forth process. And it's not just a lot of people when they join Twitter. I've noticed they're like, what do I post to get myself noticed? Nothing. You can't post anything. Like there's, there, there's nothing you that you can post. You can post the most amazing thing ever and it will not get noticed. What you can do is you can go and talk to people. The best thing about Twitter is that everything is public. You go and post on other people's threads, go and post, go and provide like feedback, go and just be supportive. See what other people are posting, make jokes, whatever. Just try to try to interact with the community and try to see where you fit and then start slowly posting your own content that you see, like maybe, you know, don't repurpose other people's content, but see like, hey, this person's posting about JavaScript in this way. Maybe I can use that same kind of technique and post about JavaScript in this way and stuff like that. Like just try different things. But it's it's not just about, you know, I need to just put myself out there. I, I need to just be in a silo and put as much content out there as possible. No, it's it's definitely about the, the networking, networking, networking aspect of it. Now, with that, <clears throat> there's plenty of other things here that I have. Um, there's the spray and pray approach. Apply a lot and early. <laughs> that's uh, that's an obvious one. Like if you want to go the corporate route, especially, it's uh, it's tried and true. If you just keep applying, you will find something. 
that's what I was trying to say before. Like it's that it's that meme with the the guy mining towards diamonds and he just stops right before the diamonds happen. If you stop applying, you have no chance. So you got to apply a lot and you got to apply early. And by early, I mean, apply before you're a hundred percent comfortable because it's not like your first application is going to be the winner. At least not for everyone. Sometimes it happens, but not for everyone. So the earlier you apply, the faster you can get like the first interview out of your system, that first like rejection and the faster you can kind of move on. And while you're applying, you're obviously still going to be kind of learning and getting more comfortable and, you know, taking that little bit of that little step in the right direction. So don't wait too long to apply. Like you don't need to know every little piece of technology to apply. We, we had an episode about this recently, the uh, front end developer or the front end web developer roadmap. Where I talk about like, you've learned HTML and CSS, that's an opportunity to make money. You can build layouts, you can build templates. It's the same thing with this. Like you've, you, you've learned the basics of React, that's an opportunity to get in. You'll also bump up against stuff you don't understand and then you'll end up looking it up and learning it without realizing it too. Exactly. Because like we learned Cordova or I, I, we learned Cordova like for, for work and stuff like this. But before before we even did that, I, I we used to write for a website called Berryflow and they needed an app. And I just was like, well, I know how to make websites. I could probably just put it through Cordova. Didn't, hadn't used Cordova, at least in my, I don't, I don't think I had. Pretty sure it was the first time I ever used Cordova. Sort of just went in, started messing around with Cordova, did the My First app and then did the whole thing, did the whole app. And I mean, we, we published it and it worked until the site shut down. So, I mean, it worked. I even started like using an API. I'd never used that before. And it was all because I bumped up against what I, you know, I bumped up against skills I didn't have, needed the, needed the, uh, the content. Like I needed the RSS feed stuff. I needed this and that. And so I just did it. And so, and then like realistically, something like that could be used, like Mike's saying with, networking i could have used that as a tool to like show people what i did i've now expanded my skills and so it's just it's one of those things where you you don't need to go out to learn you can go out to do something and then just learn because you need it yep <clears throat> that's a really good way of putting it actually and honestly that's kind of that was kind of going to be one of my last points was if you can't find work create work so like matt was saying he was doing that project well, you could try to find a project that works for you, not only in a sense of like learning, but maybe potential revenue. It could be a micro SaaS. It could be something where you're just kind of making templates and selling them. Whatever it is, something that can incentivize you to work on something. That's the really at the end of the day, like creating and finishing projects, you need to find that incentive, whatever, you know, ignites your passion. Because if you're just going to be working on a project to learn, that's great, but it might not be enough to push it over the edge. What you need to really do is if you can create a project that can realistically generate income, does not have to be any significant income. I'm talking, you know, $5 a month. That should be your first goal. If you can create a project that could generate $5 a month, that means you've proved that you can build end to end. You've just skipped junior developer. That's, this is a hack. This is a trick, whatever you want to call it. Skip the junior developer altogether. And by, to do that, you need to prove that you can build an end to end product. And if you've, if, if it's made money, if you have a recurring revenue, that is proof right there. You can go in the interview and you can tell them that you've built this end to end, this technology. And that, in my opinion, not everyone's going to agree with this, puts you above a junior developer. Don't even apply for the junior developer roles. Apply for intermediate and senior. Honestly, I know this is a, a weird concept, but if you can do it, 
I guarantee you it's going to be a way easier process for you and you deserve it because you've done it. You've proven that you can do this kind of, this kind of work. It's all about problem solving in the end. And if you're able to build a SaaS product or whatever, a product that can generate income, you've proven that you can go through roadblocks because I guarantee you're going to go through them. And while you're building it, I guarantee, I, I highly, highly recommend build it in public, go on Twitter, talk about it. Like Matt was saying with the, like if he was talking about Cordova or whatever, that's going to expand your network. And when you build it and you show people that you build it and you talk in the developer community, opportunities will come to you. That's all, that, again, that it's not a guarantee, but that's a very, very possible, very real possibility. Because again, you've shown, you've proven, you've, you've shown the proof. Bam, you can build a, pr- a product. Why wouldn't someone hire you at that point to, to finish their product or to help with their product? You've already shown that you can do it. So this one's difficult. I'm not saying that everyone can do this. I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to do. But if you have the time, if you have the capacity, if you want to take a challenge on, if you want to take a risk, taking risk is really important. This is the risk to take. Find something that you're passionate about. Build a SaaS product around it. Build a product that you can sell. Build something that you can prove is an end-to-end success. And again, success is very, very minimally stated. $5 a month is a huge success, in my opinion, for for some, for some for a first product or anything like that. If you can do it, I guarantee you that's going to give you a step up about everyone that you're going to be interviewing with. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I mean, I think that's well said. And uh, that's, I mean, that's my two cents on that, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, that's my 10 cents. I've lost my voice completely. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's it for, for this one. That's for speak sure. a little more for us, Mike, a little more, a couple more tips. Oh, no. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'm, I hope you en- enjoyed this episode. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of good tips, a lot of uh, coverage of the hardships that you will face if you're trying to find a job and the different uh, annoying systems, good systems, bad systems, all the rest of it uh, that you may or may not experience. Uh, while you go through a resume, resume, I almost said a resume wrestling for some reason. I don't know why I wanted to say that job hunting. I don't know. Resume wrestling. Whatever the hell that is. Uh, so yeah, go ahead or, uh, please. Like if you have any other tips, uh, or you, you're that strict boss that we mentioned before or whatever, and you want to, you know, reach out or even want to be on the show if you're that strict boss. And you know, we'd love to get the feedback on that. And if you have any other tips that you think that we missed, you know, of course, hit us up on socials. Mike's really active on Twitter. So go check us out on there. Go and ask, you know, talk to him, whatever. And maybe we'll mention it in a blog post or mention it on a future episode or whatever, because we always we want to expand our knowledge too. you know, we don't know everything. And so, of course, we want to expand our knowledge. But at this time, it is time to end. So remember that if you want to support shows like this, we are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. And many thanks to our $3 tier patron, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrett from Local Path Computing and Web Design on localpathcomputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com. Chris with Selfmade Web Designer via selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com. DL Ford from dlford.io. We have Ash from 9Block Media on 9blockmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, and Jeff from Twitter via at therithic. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. 
web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things signing off.